Hey, everyone. I am super excited about this week's conversation. Today, we are talking about a new resource that can help kids learn to meditate. Yes, even little kids. So this conversation is one that I'm having with Emily Fletcher, who is the founder and CEO of Ziva which is a really cool program that teaches grownups to meditate. Emily was a guest on episode 232. She is a dear friend, an amazing human, and her company is um, super cool. And she is just this week launching a new program to help teach kiddos how to meditate. And she joined forces with folks from Harvard and the folks down at Sesame Street to put together a really cool kid-focused product. So. I'm a big fan of Emily and her work, but this conversation is not just meant to be a promotion of her business. It is, I think, more globally meant to help help us all think about how we can better resource our children for the tremendous struggles that many of them are experiencing given the disruption of their lives. Meditation, yoga, those practices are not just for grownups. They are things that can really support the sense of regulation, confidence and having a a healthy body integration, even for pretty little kids. So hope that you enjoy this episode, whether you are a parent or not. I think there's some great tidbits. If you'd like to hear more from Emily, do check out episode 232. And of course, check out Ziva. Thanks so much. Welcome to the Zen Founder Podcast. This is a place where we have conversations about mental health and entrepreneurship. We have a pretty broad conceptualization of what mental health means, sometimes depression, anxiety, sometimes relationships or physical health. The goal here is to bring some calm into the crazy roller coaster of ups and downs that is life for many entrepreneurs. I'm your host, I'm Dr. Sherry Walling. I'm a clinical psychologist and an entrepreneur, married to an entrepreneur, live in the world of entrepreneurs. And I'm so pleased that you have joined us for this conversation. It is so great to have you back on the show. I am so glad to be back. It's so good to see your face. Yeah. And hear your voice. Likewise. And I love that you have brought into the world this new meditation program for kiddos. I'm super excited to talk to you about it. Well, I have to thank you because in our last conversation, you were the person who introduced me to the Suzuki method and told me about how you had had this impacted you and your children. And this idea of, you know, and for people who aren't familiar with the Suzuki method, it's like, oh, well, before a child can ever even pick up a violin, the adult has to learn how to play two songs. And this is so relevant when it comes to meditation because so many parents are like, well, I'm stressed, but I'm just going to get this thing for my kids and I'll have them handle their stress. It's like, wait a minute, your stress is impacting your kid's stress. And if you don't know what meditation is, it's going to be very hard for you to model that behavior. And so thank you for introducing that concept to me. I'm so glad that it landed because that's obviously been really an incredibly important part of our family as we've become musicians together. And now, probably as we all learn to meditate together. But you know what? To be honest, Emily, I felt a little bit out of my league interviewing you about this. So I decided to bring in an expert who is my 10-year-old son, Fisher, because we're going to oh talk about kids and meditation. It feels like we should have a kid talk with us. <laughs> we should talk to the actual experts. Thank you so much for joining us. Your name is Fisher? Yes. Hi, it's so nice to meet you. I'm Emily. Thank you for being here. 
And props to Emily for rolling with a surprise, uh, surprise interviewer. <laughs> I love surprises. This is the best surprise of my day so far. So Fisher and I were talking about a little bit about meditation, and I was giving him a little bit of the lowdown on your work, but he has some questions for you. And if it's okay, I'm going to let him take over the interview for a few minutes. Yes, I love that. What are your, what are your questions? What, what can I share? So what does it mean to you implementing meditation into children's minds? And how is it different than grown-ups? Yeah. Okay, so what does it mean to me to implement meditation into children's minds? Meaning, how do I get kids to do it? Or what's the best type of meditation for kids? Both. Okay, so I would say, how do you get kids to meditate? Um, there's a few different ways. One is by having your parents meditate. Like if you see your parents meditating and you see how it makes them happier or kinder or more patient, then I think that you have a model or even a reason of why you'd want to do it. I also think like anything else, like if the cool kids are doing it, then you're going to want to do it. So like if you see that Ariana Grande and the Jonas Brothers and amazing athletes and Steph Curry and all these amazing folks who you might admire or respect, if you see that they're actually meditating, then I think that that makes it a little bit more inspiring versus like, oh, this is just a boring thing I got to do because my parents are making me do it. And then what's the best type of meditation for kids is I would say one that is fun, right? Like if it's boring, you're probably not going to want to do it. So we try to, at least with Ziva Kids, we tried to make it as entertaining as possible. So in the one for four to eight-year-olds, we have a, I have a friend, his name is Z Bunny, and he's a puppet. Uh, he's a rabbit. No, he's a bunny, really. And he's training to be a superhero. And so as we move through Ziva Kids, I teach Z Bunny different tools that allow him to unlock his superpowers. But for kids that are, how old are you, Fisher? Ten. Ten. So for kids around your age, I really called on a lot of my meditating kid friends. So people from ages like nine to 14 and even a few 17 year olds, I had them share their experience and how meditation has made their lives better. And, and that's peppered throughout the course. Do you have a follow-up question? Looks like you're thinking about that. Yes. Yeah, so there are like uh, all kinds of, there, there are books and audiobooks and all, all these things and podcasts for that matter that help children and girls to like meditate. So do you find anything special or an advantage in in her course? Yeah. Like what's special about your course? That's a great question. So I actually have a meditation book. You can, well, you can't really see it, but it's, it's been translated into 14 languages and like a hundred thousand people have read it at this point. And I think it's very hard to learn meditation from a book. I think that it's with something, it'd be like trying to learn baseball or trying to learn bowling from a book. Possible, but very challenging. Much more easy to learn baseball and baseball practice with a baseball coach. Easier to learn how to swim in a pool with a swimming coach because it's a very physical, visceral activity. And I think that the same is true of meditation. I think that the more interactive it can be, the easier it is to learn. So this is why Ziva Kids is so interactive and each day's lesson builds upon the previous day lesson. So that's one thing. The other thing is that people have been asking me to make a meditation training for kids for about 10 years now. And I've been looking all over at books, shows, online courses, and I never found anything that I thought was good enough to where I would want to share it with my son. And so 
The thing that's so cool about Ziva is that one, the practice, the actual meditation that you're doing is so much more powerful than any app, any podcast, any book, any show that I've seen out there. The actual technique is going to help you be better at all the things that you love. So if you're into sports, it's going to make you better at sports. If you're into school, it's going to make you better at school because it's a really powerful tool to help you get rid of stress in your brain and your body. Now, the other thing that's really unique about Ziva is that I wanted to make it as entertaining and fun as possible. So just because the technique is powerful, I didn't want it to be boring, right? So I used to be on Broadway, which means I used to sing and dance and act for a living. And so I tried to bring all of that, you know, pizzazz, if you will, <laughs> to the course, just to make it seem like relevant. And, and I really believe that the whole reason why anyone would want to waste their time, and I'm using those air quotes on purpose, but any reason why someone would want to meditate is not for the sake of meditating is because you want to use it to be better, a better son, a better brother, a better musician, a better athlete. And so really it's like, what are you getting out of the training? And I think with Ziva, you get out much more than what you put in. Sounds pretty cool, huh? Yeah. Have you done it yet, Fisher? Have you tried, have you seen any of Ziva Kids yet? No. Okay, well, I can send it to your mommy if you would like to try it. I would love, love, love to get your opinion and feedback and any suggestions that you have on how we can make this the best meditation training for kids in the whole world. You want to try it? Bold words. Yeah, sure. Bold, and I stand by them. Bold words indeed. Awesome. Well, thanks for joining us, Fish. Yeah. Thank you. Good luck. Bye. Thank you. Bye, Fisher. Have a great day. Have fun. We will have fun. Oh, yes. Best surprise of the week, really. That was awesome. <laughs> oh, good. I'm glad you liked that. Yeah, it's so it just felt so in keeping with the conversation of in our family, we talk a lot about being musicians. We talk a lot about being authors, like writing books and putting ideas and thoughts out there. And I love that Fisher could join in the podcast, but also this parallel process of this is that model of meditation and how to do it as a family and how to sort of bring those values into every person in your family, not just, you know, not just the grownups. Yes, 1000%. And the other thing here is that if your kid doesn't want to do it, we can't make them do it. Like we're not here to be the meditation police. The best thing we can do is model the behavior and make it really enticing and inviting and, and really an invitation versus a mandate, especially for kids his age. Yeah, he's tiny. He has lots of opinions and thoughts and perspectives of his own. Like, sure. My two and a half year old has a lot of opinions, <laughs> <laughs> perspectives. So, what is one of the things that you're you're hoping that Ziva Kids will really change for the children who decide to jump in and play with it, try it? Thank you for asking that. I'm so clear on this answer. It is that they feel safe empowered and free to really feel their emotions. Because I think for people like us of our generation, our parents' generation, even the generation below us, we've been trained for decades. We've been trained since infancy not to feel our feelings. Like, shh, don't cry. Have a bottle. You're okay. You're okay. You're fine. You know, don't cry. Have a cookie. Don't cry. Have an iPad. Don't cry. Have a toy. Whatever you do, don't feel your feelings. And then we end up with toxic masculinity. Then we end up with shame. We 
end up with people needing decades and decades to work through their trauma that they never were able to express in real time. And so one of the big pieces of Ziva Kids, in addition to teaching them how to meditate, it's very much about wherever you are is awesome. If you're sad, great, be sad. If you're angry, beautiful, you're allowed to be angry. And one of the things that we do in Ziva Kids is that we illustrate the emotions as stormies. And this was a big change because when we first Ziva, um, when we first beta tested it like a year or two ago, I was calling the stormies uh, stress monsters. And this was an idea from someone at Sesame Street who was helping me write it. And we thought it'd be like funny to have like little, like almost like the furry little trolls or to make it kind of funny. But then I was like, wait, no, I do not want kids to think that their emotions are monsters or that worse that they are monsters because they're experiencing big emotions. And so then when the stormy idea came, I was like, no, this is perfect because it goes with this beautiful, timeless analogy that even on a rainy day, the sun is always shining. Even when you're feeling sadness, your bliss and fulfillment are still there inside of you. So it's not about changing it. It's about allowing the storm, allowing the rain to happen and allowing the clouds to pass versus let me fix it. Let me change it. There's something wrong with me. It's like, no, it's raining right now. And that's okay. Ah. Which I think is such a beautiful lesson, especially as it comes to stress, because obviously stress isn't 100% bad. Sometimes it's protective, it's important, it shows us our limits, it helps us set boundaries. It's a really important skill to have a good relationship with, which is what I love about this, this language that you're using as opposed to the, the monster language, this, the stormies, you know, we've all been in weather, we've seen the clouds come, we love the sense of fresh air after the rain, like it's a redemptive, helpful part, something that we want to be healthy with, but not not just demonize. Yes, 1000%. And thank you for saying that there's that freshness, that clarity, that cleanness that comes after a rain. And the same thing happens after a good cry. It's a cleansing mechanism. We are releasing toxins from our brain and bodies when we cry. And what usually comes right behind it is bliss chemistry. And so if we spend our whole lives trying to repress our emotions and thinking there's something wrong with us or that we're not going to get mommy or daddy's love or that there's something to fix versus no, I'm allowed to be sad. I am allowed to be scared. I am allowed to feel angry. And if and when I'm ready to create a state change, I now am empowered to do that on my own. So that's the other really important thing that I hope is a byproduct of this course is that kids feel like when they're ready to create a state change, right? When like, I'm sad now, I feel like I've cried it out. And now I want to come back into the shiniest version of me. They are empowered to turn inside and they have their own tools to do that versus I need mommy's help, or I need my friends to talk me out of this, or I need to get a good grade in school in order to have self-confidence. It's like, no, we're looking inside for those tools. We're looking inside to unlock the superpowers inside of us. Which is so incredibly empowering to children. I think especially right now when there's so much in the world that's out of control for all of us, but especially for kids, a lot of their expectations and patterns and plans are disrupted. And to have some kind of internal locus of control or a sense in which they have some mastery over those internal states, I think is quite a gift. Yes, I think it could be, I mean, my hope is that they learn it now as children, but then take these tools with them for life. Not only the, I mean, the meditation practice will likely change as they become adults, but once you 
know you can turn inside for your own bliss and fulfillment, once you know that your emotions are not something to be afraid of, but something to be surrendered into, that stays with you for life. And I think that the value of that really can't be overstated. Yeah, absolutely. And I think from where I sit, seeing some pretty, pretty scary shifts in children's mental health. It's not hopeless, but it is a little scary right now in terms of like in terms of the pandemic or loneliness. Well, I I mean, frankly, even before the pandemic, one of the categories of humans who was at increased risk for suicide or where we're seeing the, the steepest increase in rates of suicide was kids under the age of 13, which, you know, I went to graduate school 15 years ago and we didn't even train to assess suicidality in a 10 year old. We just, it didn't happen. It wasn't, it wasn't a thing. We didn't train for it. But now that's, that's the group that is, we're seeing it more now. It's happening now that, that young children, prepubescent kids are really experiencing very significant mental health burden. And what do you attribute that change to? I mean, I think that's, it's a deep dive conversation. There's probably lots of things. I worry a lot about the sort of decreased civic engagement or like kids being part of communities, kids being out and contributing. I think a lot of kids are really, especially for pandemic reasons, are spending a lot of time with screens and a lot of times in a a lot of isolation, which is, of course, terrible for them. But I, I do think that we're in a sort of digital world, kids are exposed to lots of the big problems of the world without necessarily also having this sense of internal locus of control and, and a sense of mastery over their own selves in a way that something like meditation helps to support for them. I know this isn't necessarily the language that you might use, but I see this as a wonderful like mental health intervention and preventative tool that I think really has significant power to shape the landscape of what it feels like for children to be children. I think so too. And and just as you were saying that, I had the idea of what if, what if we were able to change kids' relationship with isolation, right? Just like teaching meditation in prisons, you know, it goes from being hell to potentially heaven. I pay to go on 10-day meditation retreats and sit alone in silence. <laughs> I pay to be quiet, yes. <laughs> and I'm not by no means trying to say that, oh, it's the same thing as jail because I know that it's not your choice and all of that. But I do think that, you know, someone who knows how to meditate in jail versus someone who does not know how to meditate in jail are going to have very different experiences. And similarly, if kids are experiencing isolation, increased screen time, which we know is bad for their mental health, if we can change and transform an experience of isolation from one of feeling like a punishment or that they're missing out, and instead one of an opportunity to go inside and to start to manufacture dopamine and serotonin and joy internally, then this can really, I think, shift things for the better. What are the the barriers to using a program like this? Or what are the barriers that you think most kids experience in beginning a meditation practice? And then specifically in maybe using Ziva? I think even with little kids who likely have had no meditation training, they even they, five-year-olds, six-year-olds, come into it with a very clear idea of what they think meditation is supposed to be. You know, when I would teach, I've been teaching live, I've been teaching children face-to-face for about 10 years now. And it's so sweet because when they bring, uh, like when they start the course, their course fee is to bring fruit and flowers and drawing of what meditation means to them. So I have 10 years worth of drawings of five to 10 year olds 
you know, visually depicting what they think meditation is. And almost without fail, they have pictures of kids like sitting cross-legged with fancy fingers, you know, sitting upright, chanting Om. And all of that is fine, but it's very uh, monk-like. It's a very monastic form of meditation. And one of the things that's so powerful about Ziva, to go back to Fisher's question, is that this is not a monk practice. This is made for people with busy minds and busy lives. And, and kids now have busy minds and busy lives too. So we don't have to have fancy fingers. We don't have to chant Om. We don't have to focus. We don't have to clear our minds. And so for kids, especially the thought of like having to be exactly still or having to clear their minds, I think can be overwhelming or scary, or just be like a non-starter. So much like school. Yeah, of like, oh, it's discipline. And Ziva is the opposite of discipline, right? Like this is all about letting go. It's about feeling good. I like to call it the lazy meditation. So you're allowed to fidget. And in Ziva Kids, we actually teach a movement practice. So for the four to eight-year-olds, which that course is called Play, for Play, we start with this song um, where we're like shaking out different parts of the body. And, you know, shaking is really good for releasing trauma as well. Just like, you know, animals will shake in nature to let go of the fight or flight rate response. So we do that one to help kids move through their stress, but also to prepare them for the stillness of the meditation. And they're learning, so mindfulness, meditation, and manifesting. So they get to engage their imaginations. They get to think about how they want to take these good feelings and bring them with them into the day. And then as far as the barrier to entry for the older kids, so the nine to 14 year olds, that course is called Grow. And I think the barrier to entry there is just them not wanting to do it. It's like, oh, mom wants me to do it. So I don't want to do it. Or like, this is boring, or I don't think this is cool, or I don't think this is going to help me be better at video games or sports or whatever it is that I'm into. And so I've really done my best to make it like as cool as possible. And really, I mean, I did some serious name dropping. I interviewed my like coolest 17 year old students who've been meditating for five years, who are captain of the lacrosse team at schools, going to major colleges and, you know, like cool kids that have been doing this stuff every day for five years to have them talk about how it's impacted them. So it's not just, you know, boring old mom over here talking about it. A little peer pressure. We're going to use peer pressure. Peer inspiration, really. Because they're not pressuring. They're just sharing like, hey, this is how it's helped me, right? Like I'm better at school. There's no way I could have handled my workload at school and my sports schedule if I didn't have this tool, this mental tool. And then kids at the end of the day still are going to have to make the decision for themselves. And so part of what's so cool about Ziva Kids is that in addition to training your kids, I also train the adults on how to be a really good sidekick. So there's three full days of training for the adults, and I basically teach them how to not be the meditation police. I give them fun and inspiring ways to invite their children to join them. And then especially for the little kids, we do, well, actually for both age groups, we have an awesome reward system set up. And so it's very incentivizing. And for little kids, it's um, like a sticker chart. And when they get, when they meditate three days in a row, they get three stickers, they then get a coupon and the coupons they can create with their parents, but it's offline. It's no technology. It's a one song dance party. It's a walk in the woods. It's you get to decide dinner tonight. It's, you know, making a cake with your family. So they're very hands on fun activities, but no screens. Beautiful, beautiful. So I know that there are are definitely folks who are listening and thinking, oh yeah, meditation. I'm I'm I should be doing that. I I gotta get on that. I did I make that New Year's resolution? Like there's there's so much like should language, I think, in people's heads around meditation. And 
I don't know. What would you say to that individual or that parent, whether it's for themselves or for their family who just feels like, oh, I want to do this. I want to do this, but I can't quite get started. Yeah. So thank you for asking that question. The two big barriers for people getting started, and I'll speak to adults now, is that they feel like they don't have time or they feel like they're not doing it right. They feel like they're a failure. I can't clear my mind. And if you feel like you're failing, of course you're going to quit, right? So we'll speak to the time piece first, because this is probably the biggest one. We're all busy, especially right now. If you're working from home and homeschooling and dealing with just the ever-changing nature of the world right now, it's a lot to handle. When people say, I don't have time to meditate, what that indicates to me is that they have not yet, one, been trained, and two, found a technique that works for them, okay? Because a lot of people think, because meditation is simple, people think they should already know how to do it. And so then they're like, all right, well, let me just clear my mind. And then they sit down, they're like, all right, brain, shut up. Oh, I sure would love a snack. Oh, I should probably work out. Oh, no, I didn't work out yesterday. I'm probably going to work out today. Well, if it didn't work out, why would I meditate? Oh, no, now I'm thinking about all the things I have to do. I suck at meditation. Now I quit. And so then it becomes this, um, what I call the meditation shame spiral, right? And it's just like, I don't have time. I'm not doing it right. This is a waste of time. Blech. One more thing on the to-do list I didn't do. Versus if you invest the time to actually learn the skill, and it is a skill, and if you have a technique that is made for you and not a monk, what you will find is that you start to have exponentially more time in your day. Your sleep will be more efficient. Your to-do list will start to take you hours less. You will get sick less often. You will have a higher sex drive. You will be more intuitive. You will be more creative. You will be kinder. You will be more patient with your kids. You will make fewer bad decisions. And the cumulative effect of that, of having less stress in your brain and body, is almost unquantifiable. Like you really will start to feel like a superhero. Like all my like very high performing students, you know, cause I've taught Oscar, Grammy, Tony, Emmy award winners, NBA players, fortune 500 CEOs, like people who basically are not doing this because they have copious amounts of extra time. And they say, I don't have time not to meditate, but that requires actually training in a technique. And that requires a technique that's designed for you. It does not mean downloading a free app on your phone that you never do. And then you're like, oh yeah, I downloaded it, but it didn't work for me because I did it one time and it didn't change my life. Like one workout is also not going to change your life. <laughs> you might get sore, but... Yeah, but similarly, like you could also just start like if you never took a workout class ever and you never worked with a trainer and you just walked into a gym, like sure, you could start picking up heavy stuff and yeah, you could run on the treadmill, but would that be as effective? Would you get the same type of return on investment as if you were working with a physical trainer who understood your body? Of course not. And so basically that's what Ziva Kids is. I've taken my 12 years of studying the Vedas. I've taken my 12 years of teaching over 40,000 people, adults and children to meditate. And I've basically distilled it down into the essence of the essence so that you're not wasting your time figuring it out. You're not wasting your time wondering, am I doing this right or wrong? And each day's lesson builds upon the previous day's lesson. So that by the time your kid graduates from these seven days, they will have these tools to take with them for life. And hopefully they're so entertaining that they're going to want to come back for a refresher. Um, so that's the goal. Beautiful. How is it working with a puppet as your, as your co-host, as your co-teacher? Amazing. Like Z-Bunny is so funny. Like I was, I was almost peeing myself laughing the whole time. Cause he's so funny. He's so quick witted. He's so open hearted. So that was really, truly a delight. 
it was one of the most fun things I've ever done in my career. Um, and it was very improvisational. It was very alive. I mean, we had worked on the script with child psychologists and folks from Harvard and writers from Sesame Street. So there was pieces of it that were set in stone, that the language is very particular and specific. But then there was moments of play and freedom and improv where we could just really have a good time. And so that was great. One thing I wish that I had known, though, is that puppets do not have opposable thumbs, meaning that they can't just pick up props. You can't be like, oh, let's draw a picture. Let's, you know, pick up this bowl. And so every time a puppet has to touch a prop, it's a it's an hour of shooting time. Every time they have to take put something down, an hour of shooting time. And so finally on like day three of shooting, we're three days behind at this point. And someone's like, oh yeah, for every prop, you should add in an hour of shooting time. And I was like, well, that would have been really great to know <laughs> before we made the schedule. <laughs> and then I had to go do some meditation to handle my stress levels. <laughs> right, right, right. Take, changing the prop set. Oh man. Well, what's next for you? Well, it's right now it's all Ziva Kids all the time. So we launch on February 23rd and we're doing a big launch event. Um, we're going to do it with some folks from Daybreaker and we're going to have Dr. Mark Hyman, uh, Dr. Shafali, Elena Brower. So we're doing a big, it's called How to Raise the Happiest Kid You Know. And so that's going to be exciting. And then after that, I'm going to go to LA and do some more podcasts for Ziva Kids. So it's all Ziva Kids for the next month or so. And then... We're going to figure it out. Then we're going to kind of take a step back, maybe do a company retreat and look at the big picture, say, how has the world changed? How have we changed? How can we best be of service? But it might be a teacher training that's sort of in the, in the works for next big thing. Fantastic. So has your son been able to uh, help you pilot test some of the materials? Yes. <laughs> yes, although he's a terrible data point because he doesn't really get, he's only two and a half, so he doesn't really get to see screens. And so his only screen time is with me and Z-Bunny. And so for him, he's like phone equals Z-Bunny. And so he's always asking for him. He loves Z-Bunny. He sings the songs. He does the shaking. So I am biased, but it seems that he loves it. Two and a half year olds aren't really one to lie, but I also know that it's like if I gave him a cookie every time he meditated, he would probably really like meditating. Pretty exciting, yeah, yeah. yeah. And so now he's getting the cookie of the phone right now, but he's probably Z Bunny's number one fan. Amazing. <laughs> oh, Emily, it's so good to hear what you're doing in the world, and I again am so excited for what you're bringing to children all around the country and the world, and it's. Fantastic. Well done. And I can't wait to see more as the launch progresses. So for folks who are really excited about this possibility, what's the best way for them to get involved, to learn more, to follow you? Yeah. So the best place to go is Ziva. So it's Z-I-V-A. So zivameditation.com slash kids, and they can sign up or you can opt in to get, you know, to get free exercises. Also, we're launching today uh, a new Facebook group for families. And that's just, if you go and search Ziva Kids on Facebook, that's open to anyone. You don't have to be a student in order to join that. Um, but I say the best place is, is zivameditation.com slash kids. And of course, you can also enroll in the adult training there as well if you don't have kids. Stuff for grownups too, huh? Yes, exactly. And I would say even if you don't have biological kids, there's likely some child in your life. It might be a neighbor or a nephew or a niece or a grandkid or someone in your church group. But you know, I really, I want to challenge people to say like, 
is this something that I wish I had had when I was a kid? And is there a kid in my life that I think could benefit from giving, giving them permission to really feel their feelings and the ability to turn inside for their kindness, their creativity, and their bravery? Beautiful. Thanks so much, Emily. Thank you for having me. What a joy. Thanks for listening. We'll be back in two weeks with a new episode of the podcast. In the meantime, feel free to check out zenfounder.com for lots of resources about the kinds of conversations that we have on the podcast. You can get information about working with me, about maybe joining a Zen tribe. It's sort of like a mental health boot camp for entrepreneurs. We also have lots of content on our blog, links to resources in our courses and books for sale. So check us out there and we hope to provide anything and everything that you might need to make the entrepreneurial life a little bit easier.